We've now entered the Christmas season, the month of December. So many things happen this month of the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Sumerian dogmas. This is the Terry and Jesse Show. My name is Jesse Romero. I am the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Latin lover of Our Lady. I'm reporting for duty. Terry. Yes, I'm reporting for duty. Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady. And I'm reporting to for duty, sir, and I'll tell you my, my duty is. To anybody who will hear me talk about Jesus Christ and his saving graces. Amen. So That's yes, right. We, we got a great show ahead of us. Yep. Always. And you know, one thing the leftists are really good at, denying mountains of demographic data that draws a link to anything that shows the truth. They're good at that. They, they don't like it. So here's what we're going to talk about. Homosexuality and the abuse of minors in the Catholic Church. And we have now an archbishop um, who's now uh, the president of the bishops conference, Bishop Archbishop Timothy Broglio. And he's saying this. He's been saying this for years. And I can't believe it. Thank you, speedy God. He's the president saying, no, I haven't changed my mind. The facts don't change. So that's one thing we're going to talk about. The other thing is spirituality, which I love. And that is, you know, do we really appreciate the gift of ourselves? In other words, I'm not talking about this affirmation that, Hey, everybody gets a trophy because they participated in the, in the soccer game. No, no, or Little League game. No, no. I'm talking about the gifts God's given to you and you alone. Do you appreciate that? And much, much more. Uh, but today I think we'll give you some spirituality that will bring you a, a greater awareness of the love Jesus has for you personally. That's right. A couple of news items, Terry. One just want to just share I with you. Uh, Go ahead, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Pope Francis defends the Vatican-China deal. In an interview with America Magazine, he defended his approach of dialogue with the Chinese Communist Party. He says, quote, With China, I have opted for the way of dialogue. He said, It is slow, it has failures, it has successes, but I cannot find another way, close quote. Pope Francis has faced criticism for ignoring Catholic victims of Chinese, China's brutal policy of oppressing religious groups, uh, and it sees as a threat to communism. Next, America's can I, can I jump last in on, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah see, go ahead, Terry. Before you do that, I read the whole article, and my Chinese friends who live, listen, we've had them on the air writing letters to the Holy Father saying, Holy Father, you don't understand the communism. You don't un- They're using, they're saying, no, you can't negotiate with these people. They don't yeah. let us into churches if we're 18 years of age and younger. It's going to destroy the Catholic Church in China. What you're doing is going to undermine the faith, not affirm the faith. Please, don't do it. And, you know, he, he says, no, I, I got, I'm going to do my way because I think it's the best way. It's a prudential decision, but, Jesse, I have to be honest with you. It hasn't worked. If souls are what the church's mission is all about, canon law says it, if souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls are not saved, nothing is saved. If people can't get into church, then what are we, in, what are we here to serve people about? How are we going to teach them about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if we allow a communist government to shut down the churches. So, Holy Father, with all due respect, I think your approach is, is really not working. That's all. Yep. Go ahead, Jen. I had to say it. Also, just... yeah, we had to say it, Terry. President Joe Biden faced backlash over the weekend after his administration Good. announced that it would allow Chevron to resume pumping oil in socialist Venezuela, <laughs> reversing a Trump-era ban put in place to punish socialist dictator Nicolas Maduro. The move comes 
amid widespread criticism of the Biden administration for hampering oil production in the United States. Yes, yeah, he can also, I jump in one more yeah, time. Jump in. I, I mean, what did I do? Yeah. Too much co- uh, tea? Yes. Are you kidding me? We were independently uh, with all the oil two years ago, and then he cuts off the oil of the United States, and then he's going to affirm socialism. You know what? I guess birds of the feather flock together, Jess. That's all I'll say. I guess uh, leftist operatives are demanding the Supreme Court Justice Amy Comey Barrett recuse herself from an upcoming case involving religious freedom and the LGBT agenda because the Catholic justice accepts the church's teachings on sexuality and marriage. This is called anti-Catholic bigotry, and worse, it's an attempt to normalize that bigotry as a way of barring Christians from having a seat at the table in the Supreme Court. Also, China faces mass protest. Rallies and protests have erupted across China as people languish under the Chinese Communist Party's zero-COVID policies, which include draconian lockdowns and mandatory testing. People are swarming the streets of Shanghai, Beijing, and other cities, yelling chants such as, Down with the Chinese Communist Party, and Step Down Chi, and We Want Freedom. And finally, bit of good news, CNN employees <laughs> frantically, <laughs> frantically are looking for a new job as massive layoffs inch closer. Yeah, CNN, the Clinton News Network, or the Communist News Network, initiates massive layoffs as a cost-cutting measure, according to the company's statement. Hundreds of jobs could be effective affected and it's it's good to see people like Terry Brian Stelter has been fired Chris Como has been fired Don Lemon has been demoted to a morning slot so um no, I, I don't know about hurting. you but uh yeah as far as I'm concerned if you're going to put out fake fake news you deserve what you get Exactly and just one quick comment about China when they had a fire in one of these high-rise apartments they had welded the the fire door exit you know like an escape to get out mm. and these people died because the communist government said no you can't come out you're going to have to stay there no matter what, you fire or not fire. And so now the Chinese people, and this is the most they've done since the Tiananmen Square in 1989. So I, I think the president of China has got some big problems on his hands, and I'm hoping and praying yes. that this can be resolved without any you know, massive deaths or you know, uh, uh, you know, where people are going to be dying by the tens of thousands because this China uh, program that they have which, which, with uh, communism isn't working. And uh, they're also having a lot of pressure with, um, we used to call China the place where manufacturing of the world. Well, everybody's leaving China now because they can't work there. It's not a, it's not a place to work. So I'm actually thinking that in the next couple of years, China's going to be in, they're, 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 they've hit their peak. They're on their way down, brother. That's my take. That's good news. Uh, let's, let's get to some soul food for Amen, today. Amen, brother. I'm Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and following. Today's gospel. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Jesus said to his disciples, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father. This is why, again, Luther was wrong when he said that we're saved by faith alone. Faith alone goes against the actual words of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. It goes on to say, our Lord says, everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came. And the winds blew and buffeted the house, but it did not collapse. It had been set solidly on rock, and everyone who listens to these words of mine, but does not act on them, will be like a fool who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house, and it collapsed and was was completely ruined. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
So what is the whole wise man? What does this mean when our Lord is using this word in today's gospel? It, it, true wisdom, according to the Catholic faith, it means putting Jesus's teachings into practice Amen. and preparing for the future. That's true wisdom. Now, this whole house that our Lord is talking about, this parable reflects the building conditions of Palestine back at the time of Christ. Houses were made of, of mud bricks, and they were generally built during the dry season. So when torrential rains arrived, only the house with a solid foundation resisted the erosion and the ultimate destruction of the house. Jesus' reference, our Lord's reference to the wise man and his house, it alludes also to King Solomon in the Old Testament. He was called the wisest man in the world in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 10 to 12. And, uh, and King Solomon, he also built the temple uh, back in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, upon a great foundation stone, according to the Old Testament. So what does this mean to us today's gospel morally? What's the moral teaching? Well, the, the enduring house is like your soul. And it's maintained only through labor and the materials of prayer and virtue grounded on Christ. So the foolish man neglects this sound construction and maintenance, and he's building on a weak foundation of his wealth, of his earthly success. But the day of judgment, when Christ comes back, it's going to expose every man's foundation and the destiny of every spiritual builder. Terry? Wow, well said. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room, Bishop Sheen again. Full Sheen ahead. Now see, Cardinal, uh, Cardinal Seurat has been with Bishop Sheen a lot lately. And I'll tell you why. Because Cardinal Seurat has a great spirituality, and he really sees things for what they are. And you know, Jess, I don't know about you, but I, I get the same emails, the same phone calls. We talk about some values of different secular groups, and we condemn them. Because they should be. And mm -hmm. one of the things that Cardinal yeah. Seurat said is about the UN, United Nations, and 50% of their funding comes from America. But here's what the Cardinal said to Bishop Sheen. He said, the fundamental values promoted by the UN are based on a rejection of God. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesse, when we do that, people will say, Romero, Barber, stop being so critical. Well, you know what, Jess? The United Nations does all kinds of bad things like population uh, you know, uh, uh, things that try to cut down the population of different population control, control. Yeah. Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. And we just have to call it for what it is. And I, I'm, I'm tired of not using your head to make value judgments. You know, oh, no, we don't want to offend anybody. What are you talking about? What about God? Are we forgetting somebody here? See, this is what's so clear right now. We as Christians, if we don't know what right and wrong is, who does? That's right, Terry. All right, and, now we and, come back. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, that's why during the Mass, yes. we say, the priest says about uh, adoring God, it says, and it is right and just. In other words, God has rights, and uh, God deserves his just. And what is the, what is the justice of God? We de He deserves our worship and adoration. Absolutely. Terry. Archbishop yeah. Timothy Broglio, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops President, speaks out. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. This Saturday, December 3rd, I'm going to be at a Catholic men's conference, a Holy League conference over in 
St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Salem, Oregon. Hope to see you there. It's going to be from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. They have a great bishop in that city, oh, yeah. uh, and it is one. Of, but it is one of the most. Uh, it is one of the worst cities in this country, <laughs> and that's good that they're going to have a men's conference there because they need to bring uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer in, into that community. Yeah, see, they keep bringing you back. Let me just say something about Jesse Romero <laughs> right now. Jesse, uh, because of his outspokenness on the faith, and he doesn't compromise, there's lots of dioceses who would say, I'll use a Latin term, per, per, uh, pronus, uh, persona non grata. <laughs> and because he's not welcome because of that. But here's an example of an Orthodox Archbishop of Portland. He goes, bring Romero back every year. <laughs> so anyhow, I just thought I'd make that point. Because we have our friends and we have our foes out there, Jess. Oh, we sure do, Terry. And you've had him for 40 years. I mean, I, I, I learned from you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you've... you've uh... I've been through... I've been through hey, I'll just tell you one quick one, Jess. I yeah. remember going to a parish to do a mission. And there were people with signs outside the parish protesting against me coming. Unbelievable. And they they, this was in L.A. And, and so they said, oh, he doesn't support uh, whatever. They gave out like Vatican II or uh, he's, uh, he's this, he's critical of the Pope. So anyhow, uh, I go in there and they don't know it's me. And I said, Who, what are you protesting for? And they said, oh, this guy. I said, I don't like the guy either. Keep it up. <laughs> so I went in. But the point of it is Jesse. That's life. Oh, God. This is why people support us here at Virgin Most Powerful, Jess, because they know, hey, we're not going to compromise, even if it means not being welcomed in a diocese. Oh, well, I guess I can't come if they won't take me in. Okay. Yeah, Terry, that, that song, All Our Welcome, doesn't apply to you and I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the topic, brother. This is a good article written by Austin Roos for He's Crisis Magazine, yeah. and it's entitled, It Was Homosexual Abused. Exactly. Leftists deny the mountain of demographic data that draws a strong link between homosexuality and the abuse of minors in the church. Yep. And why was this spiked? Because of Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, who's disgraced exactly. now, he was in charge. This is why all this information oh, yeah. was, was basically uh, swept under the carpet. The Catholic squad of the left <laughs> insist that you agree that the priest Excuse abuse me, scandal Jesse, has nothing... Re- time out. You missed yeah. a big word that was important. The Catholic squad of the sexual left. Ah, that's... Thank you, Yep, you got it, Terry. No, that's important. It was. Yeah, of the sexual left. Yeah. Insists you agree that the pre-sex abuse scandal has nothing to do with homosexuality. (laughs) Nothing whatsoever. To say that the pre-sex abuse scandal has nothing to do with homosexuality is nothing short of othering and of even homophobic violence. (laughs) They say this over against a mountain of demographic data reported by researchers connected to the John Jay College of of Criminal Justice that draws a strong link between homosexuality and the abuse of minors in the church. But it's not just the Catholic New Left denying this connection. Even the report's authors deny their own data. All this has come to the fore again with the election of Archbishop Timothy Broglio as president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Four years ago, Archbishop Broglio said in an email, there is, quote, no question that the, that the crisis of sexual abuse by priests in the USA is directly related to homosexuality, close quote. He reiterated this a few weeks ago when questioned by a reporter. He said, quote, I think it's certainly an aspect of the sexual abuse crisis that can't be denied. I think it would certainly be naive to suggest that there is no relationship between them, close quote. But Archbishop Broglio 
is merely working from the data provided by the John Jay College. According to their report, 100% of the perpetrators were male and 80% of the victims were also male. But this has outraged the Catholic New Left and it's been immediate and vociferous. The heterodox leftist modernist National Catholic Reporter said the USCCB had elected an anti-Francis culture warrior. <laughs> I can't believe that comment. That made me laugh. A leftist priest on Twitter said, quote, Catholic religious leaders who make the link between homosexuality and pedophilia know that there is no logical, rational link between the two, but is an evil strategy to broaden the scope and the extent of the v- villainization and hate of the LBTQ folks. LBTQ. That <laughs> yeah, that's what it says there. In the, I know. According a, a contributor to the Francis File blog, where Peter is, said, The Catholic Church is obsessed with the tor- and, and tormented by homosexuality. It's becoming very much a defining characteristic. Close quote. I don't know about you, Austin Roos writes, but I cannot remember when I heard a sermon about homosexuality. The author continued, Bishops, priests, deacons, seminarians, and most altar servers are male. The Catholic Church is a profoundly homosexual environment. Of course, most abuse will be of men and boys. The theories of gay subversion of the priesthood are attempts to scapegoat. Yep. The, uh, the always predictable Father James Martin wants us to believe that sexual abuse declined with greater numbers of homosexuals in the priesthood. But he was only quoting those scholars at John Jay. And the data does not bear out his, this silly claim. Now, here's one of the good guys, Terry. Oh, he's good. Father Paul. Yeah. Father Paul Solens, emeritus professor of sociology at the Catholic University of America, looked at data gathered in a national survey by the Los Angeles Times in 2002. The data shows that before the 1950s, the percentage of homosexuals in the priesthood mirrored the percentage of homosexuals in the general population. By 1980, upward of 16% of the priesthood were homosexual. The number of abuse cases mirrored the growth of homosexuals in the priesthood. Uh, the Catholic New, New Left uses various, various dodges to get around the quite damning data. They say that adult men on teen boys is not homosexual at all. They say it is a crime of mere access. Abuser priests chose teen boys because they were the only humans they had access to. If this claim seems absurd to you, it's because it is. Some of them have compared the priest's life to prison where there are no women and some men act out homosexuality. What a... That's such a bunch of crock. Garbage. Yeah, go ahead, Terry. Yeah, you know, let yeah. me just back up just for a minute, Jess. You and I both, for the last 30, 40 years, have been involved heavily in the church. And many seminarians, many priests have come to me to tell me stories of the problem of homosexuality in seminaries. And I'm going to continue on this article, but I just want to give an example of what he's talking about. I'll never forget in the 1980s, I was working with a policeman. He was an L.A. cop, not a sheriff, L.A. cop. Mm -hmm. And he had just come back to his Catholic faith. And I was giving him Fulton Sheen's cassette tapes like I was giving you, Jesse. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. Say, for a similar time. And he goes, Terry, here's the problem I have right now. I just arrested a couple guys at a homosexual bar, and they were seminarians. I couldn't believe it. They told me, yeah, take us back to St. John's uh, in Camarillo. Uh, And I did, 
I took them back uh, because I said, well, your seminary, let me talk to your superiors. And the cop talks to the superior, the rector, says, hey, these are guys, that, they, were, they, were, they were visiting a homosexual bar. And I don't call them gay, sorry. I never call gay. Right, right. I'm happy. So yeah, they were homosexuals. Yeah. And the rector said, oh, that's okay. They've been there before. We, we'll take care of it. They're, they're fine. He comes back to me and says, what's wrong with our church? I said, that. I said, we got leaders in the church who are not compromising when it comes to morality. Next question, next comment, and we'll get yeah. back. A friend of mine, he's up in a seminary up in the north, and uh, he's now a married man with a couple kids. But he told me this in the 90s. He's in the seminary, and he's getting uncomfortable because a guy is going to morning prayer in high heels, okay? okay. And he's dressed as a, as a woman, okay? Unbelievable. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, this is not right. And so he goes to the rector. He says, you know, to the rector of the seminary, he says, you know, I'm not, I'm not you know, comfortable with, uh, he's hitting up on me. I mean, this guy's, uh, uh, he's, he's homosexual. What's he doing in the seminary? And the rector says, that's all right. He's fine. Uh, he'll, be, he'll, he'll be a good priest. It's just, that's his, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't hurt him in his priesthood. What? You know what my friend did, Jess? Got the heck out of Dodge. He lost his vocation yeah. because of that. This is only a couple cases. I can spend the whole hour talking to you about homosexuality in the clergy. Now, uh, what what needs to be what needs to be done is the leadership in the church has to say, as Benedict said, there's no room for homosexuality in the priesthood. But this article is pointing out that there is, and I'll just repeat what he said. Do priests really have a an access problem concerning women? Have any of these folks ever been to a Catholic parish? Come on, folks. There are more women than men. I mean, there are more women than boys. Do parish priests have no access to women? No, of course they do. There's a punchline, I know, the setup of which I've forgotten. Not bad for a priest in the suburbs without a car. Even mm. a priest in the suburbs without a car can do all right with the ladies if he is so inclined. He does not have to... Uh, furtively fumble into the trousers of a teen boy unless he is inclined. Not because that's all that's available to him. He's making a good point, Jesse, in this. And I think that the liberals, no matter what points we make, they, they're not interested in the facts. Because the thing about the John Jay report and its authors is that they do not have the competence to determine that what motivated abuser priests were merely access. They are Undoubtedly competent in gathering data, but it's strange that they would then ignore the data and conclude that the issue was access. This is passing strange unless they were working hard to protect, and this is what I think it is, the homosexual priesthood. Continue, Jess. Terry, this banning homosexual—this is just kind of a sidebar comment—banning homosexual men for the priesthood— it's been in place for a long time. The first time the church, yeah, the first time the church actually banned homosexual men was eight nineteen A.D. Eight nineteen A.D. It was called the Council of Paris. Then in eleven sixty nine, the Third Lateran Council again. The church banned homosexual men from priesthood. Then again in 1215, at the Fourth Lateran Council, the church again for the third time Consistent. banned men, yeah. uh, homosexual men from the priesthood. Yeah. Uh, again. Uh, so John the, the 23rd the, did it in 60. 19th. That's right. In 61, Terry. I think it was in 61. And I just put, right. got the letter. The year you were born. Here, here it is. Yep. Vatican to enforce 
uh, document banning homosexual priests and religious. Yeah, this was in 1961. So the church has officially banned homosexuals from entering the priesthood four times. Four times. Knock, knock it off, Romero. You're giving the facts out too much. <laughs> See, this is this is what the don't confuse don't me with the facts. Exactly. Don't confuse. <laughs> I mean, it's sad, Jesse, because that's the problem. And you look at it and say, wait a minute, the emperor has no clothes on. Why are we not addressing the facts? Go ahead. And Terry, and and you can even go into the fathers of the church, like St. John Chrysostom. Oh, boy, he's strong. Uh, yeah, he was very strong. Back in the fourth century, he was very strong against the sin of sodomy. The, the, they call it the, the, the diabolical vice of sodomy. You have St. Catherine of Siena. She was in the Middle Ages. Uh, she talked about that, that the homosexual acts are so appalling that demons who incite them won't stick around as they're taking place. They have and to why is that, Jesse? Them. Tell us why, because you... Go ahead. Yeah, St. Catherine, and she wrote this in chapter uh, 124 of her books called Dialogue. The Dialogue, yep. and that's her conversations with God the Father. She's, by the way, she's a doctor of the church. <laughs> and uh, in there, God the Father told her yeah. that demons incite us to sexual perversion, but... When demons are looking at homosexual sodomy, that action is so appalling, it's so offensive that even demons have to turn, avert their gaze, as they say. Even demons have to take custody of their senses when it comes to the sin of sodomy because it's so unnatural and it's so dark. And that's why we're living in this dark age, Jesse. I know people say, well, we've been here before. But, you know, when you live in a country who's now saying that marriage that's been around for at least 5,000 years, the Judeo-Christian approach to marriage, and then you have a supreme, not supreme, you have a, a country like America uh, saying that now uh, homosexual ma- marriage is the same as heterosexual marriage. Th- this is a dark time to be living in. That's all I want to say, Jess. Terry, right now, the United, you know, it's funny, uh, President oh. Putin just banned, he just banned LGBT. He sure did. Everything LGBT in Russia, and here we are just passing the Disrespect for Marriage Act, which is quite the opposite, which is going to give them, it's going to to basically muzzle the church and silence us. I mean, Terry, we already don't hear homilies from the pulpit on homosexuality and, and, and the way it's one of the four deadly sins, the four, imagine now with this, this, uh, this uh, act of, of Congress and the Senate and passing the bill, there's going, to be, there's going to be more silence on this topic. Yeah, and we're going to talk more on this because it is very important because the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. And here at Virgin Most Powerful, we will always speak up for Holy Mother, the Church, and the family. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We are back, and we're talking about uh, the homosexual abuse. It's uh, an article by Austin Roos from Crisis Magazine. Great magazine. He writes, The thing about the John Jay Report and its authors is that they do not have the competence to determine that what motivated abuser priests was merely access. (laughs) They are undoubtedly incompetent in gathering data. But it is strange that they would then ignore the data and conclude that the issue was access. This is passing, yeah, this is passing strange unless they are working hard to protect the homosexual priesthood. There are other dodges they use to get around the data. First, there is the pedophilia dodge. 
Homophile priests and pundits have tried mildly to make this horrific situation about pedophilia in order to take the heat off of homosexual abusers. Pedophilia is about the sexual desires for a child who has not reached puberty. For boys, this is roughly 11. The overwhelming cases of abuse were perpetrated on males 14 and over. This is not pedophilia. It is damnable pederasty, something that has been celebrated in homosexual culture. Yet another dodge is the term ephibophilia. That's a sexual interest in those 15 to 19 year olds. Oh no, they say, this is not about homosexuality. It's about something entirely different called ephibophilia. In my diocese, Austin Roos writes, I am told the longtime vocations director would be quite direct with men inquiring about the priesthood. Among his first questions was about any homosexual experiences. This served as a warning that such attractions and behaviors are not welcome here. I served on my diocesan review board for quite some time. Though we had a few cases, it was nothing like other dioceses where the homosexual door swung wide open, swung wide. Wow. Certainly, clericalism has played a large part uh, has played a part in the scourge of pre-sexual abuse. Unfortunately, too many homosexual abusers were protected by the institutional church, yeah, under McCarrick and others. Exactly. Precisely because they were in the club. Yep. And perhaps this knowledge that they were protected encouraged even more abuse. But make no mistake, the abuse was almost entirely homosexual in nature. Not access, not pedophilia, not a febophilia. Does this data show that all priests suffering same-sex attraction are abusers? Not in the least. And we must show great sympathy for anyone who struggles with these desires. But it shows that anyone with a persistent homosexual identity might consider a different vocation. You think, Jesse, here, I, here. I want to ask you, because I have my take on this. We have had an increase, and we article talked about the increase of, of homosexuals in our culture. I have my own take, but I've heard you speak on this, brother, so put your computer back and rewind your take on why so much homosexuality is going on in our culture, especially among uh, men. So I want to hear about that. I know what I'm going to say. But... Yeah, well, I'd say, first of all, the, 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 the homosexual... Uh, rights movement kicked off in 1969 in New York. That's right. It was called, it was called the Stonewall Inn mm-hmm. Green in Greenwich Village in New York. That's right. That's when they call it the gay uh, movement, gay pride parade, which Begin. me and Terry call the homosexual parade. Okay. Obviously, yep. uh, and 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 then right after that in Los Angeles in 1970 there was the the first. Pride Parade. Mm-hmm. The very first one was in Los Angeles in 1970. You can watch, see pictures on the internet, and it's like watching pornography, the way the people are dressed and the yep. things that they're carrying in their hands. It's completely pornographic. Um, but, Terry, I think I think the dam broke when Humane Vitae was dismissed by the the, by theologians in the catholic church in most of the universities the theologians of the catholic church they basically burned humani vitae in effigy that's that's a document written by pope paul the six on the uh on 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 marriage on on, yeah and he talks about 
the, 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 the unitive aspect and the procreative aspect of sexual intimacy within marriage. That was completely spurned by church leaders in the U.S. in the late 60s. Then to top it off, in 68, the U.S. Supreme Court, they struck down Griswold versus Connecticut. What was that? In the U.S., contraception was not allowed before 1968. And that was struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court. Also coupled with the fact that you have uh, the Land O'Lakes Conference by uh, the liberal presidents of Catholic universities that basically opposed Pope Paul VI to his face with this document, uh, Humani Vitae. So when you separate the unitive and appropriative aspect, like we've done since 1968, and now in America, it's basically a free-for-all, Terry. It's anybody do what you want with, with, with whoever you want, when you want, however you want. Yeah. And this is what, this is, it was a matter of time because if you yeah. separate procreation from That's sexual right. intimacy, then why can't two men uh, couple together, so to speak, or two women couple together if procreation is no longer one of the one of the aspects of, of sexual intimacy? Then, hey, man on man, woman on woman, there's no nothing wrong with that because, hey, uh, procreation has nothing to do with intimacy, according to the secular humanists that now... Uh, are running are running the ship. And I might add another thing, Jesse. I agree 100%. With, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> but I think it's important that we also have an understanding that dads, <clears throat> when they weren't home to lead the family and they decided to go out and have other families, that undermined the kids big time. If you have a... what You ask the question almost every homosexual, how was your relationship with your old man, with your dad? Horrible. Exactly, Jess. And yeah. Jesse... This is not only on homosexuality, but you know this from being in a policeman for over 20 years. And that is most of the crime, people who, do, who commit crime also have a very bad relationship with their father. So all of this is stemming. Mm-hmm. I, I blame dads more than anybody else, Jesse, on this whole issue of, of homosexuality. I really do. If dads leave, I mean, can I, can I give you one example? And this is just a quick one. With my boys, I always made sure... Because I had two boys, two girls. Okay. The boys had a completely different set of uh, skills to do uh, when it came to the upbringing of the kids, like building a boat to go to Catalina Island when they were teenagers. The girls weren't interested in building a boat. <laughs> you know, they got to the boat. They, they went out 26 miles up there and 26 miles back, stuck their chest out, and they said, Dad, we almost, we almost died. There was a big... A uh, big old tra- tra- a boat out there that almost ran us over. He told me all kinds of, you know, interesting things. But we overcome it all. You see, here's my point, Jesse. I taught them that that's what men do. We take risks. Yeah. And I know some people would say to you, Jesse, Terry, that was terrible. No, it made my boys know that they have to be leaders. They have to take uh, the initiative. Women have another position of bears of life. It's a completely yeah. different role. And I think because it's been blurred so much, homosexuality has gone. And, and I also say for the uh, girls, lesbianism takes off when that happens also with the relationship with dad. So dad is the key. That's my That's take. right. Terry, there's also, like, like we said, there's a 1961 document, Vatican oh, document, yeah. on well, the selection right. of candidates to the priesthood. It's very clear. That uh, it was very clear. It yep. says that, you know, that those entering religious orders, here's what it says, quote, those affected by the perverse inclination to homosexuality or pederasty should be excluded from religious vows and ordination. Yeah. Uh, 
close quote. Uh, it is said the community, the community life and priestly ministry would constitute a grave danger or temptation for these people. Close quote. This is a 1961 document Incredible. under Pope John the 23rd. And the document recommended back in 1961 that any person with serious unresolved sexual problems should be screened out and saying that the chastity and the celibacy required by religious and priestly life would constitute for these people that are struggling with homosexual, homosexual desires, it would constitute for them a continuous heroic act and a painful martyrdom. And so this 1961 document, by the way, it's never been abrogated. No. So technically, it's still valid. Yep. And uh, and I just I just would wish that the Vatican would bring this document back out front and center. Clarity with charity. That's our model. And I think that the church needs to go back to that with the clarity. Because right now, Jesse, let's be honest. There's a lot of confusion because the leaders in our church aren't reiterating the perennial teachings of the church. And that's what needs to be done because people need to know with clarity what we teach and what we believe. And I'm just pointing fingers at them because I think it's appropriate. And and I also say they have a responsibility before God because they made a promise when they were ordained to teach the Catholic faith. When we come back, Jess, let's, let's talk about do we appreciate the gift of yourself, meaning spirituality. We're going to quote some of the saints. Stay with us. This is very important to understand that if God stopped thinking about you, you'd cease to exist. Mm -hmm. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Time to work on our interior life. Amen, brother. Our interiority. So do you do you appreciate the gift of yourself? And I'm not talking about, you know, yeah. being narcissistic either. <laughs> no. I'm talking about Venerable Frederick Baraga, oh. who died in 1868. Here's what he said. Quote, this is beautiful. Oh, it is. This is all I desire to be where God wants me to be. Amen. Close quote. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that says it all right yeah, there. It does. I often hear people expressing a wish to possess some good quality that another person has. They wish they were more humble and patient or better at singing or more disciplined or possessed of a deeper interior life. These comments voiced with honesty do not seem to be rooted in envy. Rather, someone is expressing a genuine desire to be better. And that's, and that's a good thing, by Amen, the way. Amen, it is. But... <laughs> Again, but is that desire a good one? Sometimes it is. Yep. We are called to be saints. That's right. Not mediocre, not half holy souls. We should aspire to be the best we can be, but not for ourselves. Rather, we aspire to be the person God is calling us to be. Amen. And here is where the rub comes in. I might wish to cultivate a deeper interior life like my friend. Indeed, I should try. But I cannot simply imitate my friend in everything. God has traced out a unique path for each one of us. This is so key right here. It is unique. God has traced out a unique path for each one of us. And I must let him lead me along the path he pleases. This sentence is, this This is the gold. cash value of the article, Terry. Yeah, it's gold. Likewise, we should strive to cultivate an appreciation for who and what we are. 
right here, right now. Sometimes our gaze gets riveted on our defects and shortcomings. We regularly lose our temper while a friend is always calm and cheerful. We struggle to mortify our sweet tooth while another apparently has no trouble with passing (laughs) on dessert. When it comes to serving at our parish, the best we can do is bake goodies for the parish picnic and serve as a lecturer at Sunday Mass. Meantime, that one lady teaches fourth grade CCD, heads a Bible study and a knitting group, and serves as an adorer. She does all this while raising a family and looking after her elderly parents. Wow. Yeah, that's not common. Yeah. In comparing ourselves to others and saying, if only we lose sight of God and the truth of what is. I mean, come on, I would like to be a runner. It seems like such a joy. But my body's not built for running at the age of 61, at least not, you know, in this. (laughs) So I walk and I enjoy it. We should aspire to be better in many aspects, but we should not desire to change the essence of who and what we are. Exactly. We can admire the good qualities in others while appreciating our own selves and being content with who we are and what we have. The scope and magnificence of one's virtue and gifts and gifts is, is of no account. St. Teresa Lisieux reminds us of this when she writes in her autobiography about the Garden of Souls. She said this, quote, Jesus deigned to teach me this mystery. He set before me the book of nature. I understand how all the flowers he has created are beautiful, how the splendor of the rose and the whiteness of the lily do not take away the perfume of the little violet or the delightful simplicity of the daisy. I understand that of all flowers wanted to be roses, nature would lose her springtime beauty and the fields would no longer be decked out with wild little flowers. And so it is in the world of souls. Jesus' garden. He willed to create great souls comparable to lilies and roses, but he's also created smaller ones and these must be content to be daisies or violets destined to give joy to God's glances when he looks down at his feet. Look at this sentence. From the story of a soul, yeah. page 14. Yep. Perfection, from St. Teresa of the Little Flower. Perfection consists in doing his will, in being what he wills us to be. Yeah, why don't you repeat quote. that? Because that that's one of those great Jeez. sayings of a saint. Yeah. Perfection yep. consists in doing his will, <clears throat> in being what he wills us to be. And I think, Jesse, another key statement is right below it where it says, keep your eyes riveted on God and his will. He will Mm. lead you to become who you're called to be a saint. You know, we always say St. Thomas says, grace builds on nature. Jesse, you know I'm not seven foot four and I'm not playing for a basketball team (laughs) because I'm five foot four, five, maybe something there. The point I'm saying is, you, you, you take the gifts that God has given to you and you give them to God and say, God, use these gifts I have and do your, I want to do your will with them. Because meantime, the article talks about uh, appreciate who and what you are right here, right now. And I think this is important. I used to give this talk to teenagers years ago at the Wichita Family Conference. Write down a list of your good qualities. Don't be shy about it. This isn't a matter of puffing up your pride but of honestly assessing yourself. Praise God for all that is admirable about you. Well, guess what, folks? It all comes from God, 
who he gave it to you for a purpose that you might manifest his love and glory. Don't hide that light under a bushel basket. I always tell people this, Jesse. For example, I'll give you as an example because I can, I can pick on you. Yes, Romero, he loves this. He's a, a boxer. Many people aren't aware of that. Just go to YouTube and put Jesse Romero and you'll find some kickboxing that's amazing. But here's my point. You were, you, you were gifted in that field, okay, of sport. But you could have stayed in it and you could have been teaching it for the rest of your life and you would have gone down as, hey, you know, Jess Romero, the kickboxer, you know, great fighter. He t- he's passed this trait on to uh, lots of other people. But what does he do with that gift? Because he has the gift to teach. He says, no, no, I've fallen in love with Jesus Christ to a point where I'm going to put all that aside and put all my energy and gifts towards teaching people to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Now, Amen. you said no to that, Jess, but it was not yeah. bad what you were doing. No. The point of it is, when you, when you fall in love with God, you realize, I want to do what God wants me to do. So now it talks about, what about your defects? You might protest. They're so obvious and numerous. My good qualities seem very small in comparison. Continue with the article, Jess. This is good stuff, because you'll say it faster than I can. Perhaps that is so, but it's no cost to be discouraged. Yeah. Everything about you in this moment, mm-hmm. this is the material God work, God desires to work with. Yep. Already, you are graced with incom- with the incomparable dignity of being created in his image and likeness. You mirror a unique facet of him as no one else can. Trust. Amen. Let God work in you and mold you further into the person he desires you to be. The process, slow and painful as it is, will be brought to completion and you will marvel at his work, and so will I. Terry, you know that our goal is uh, our our goal is to become saints. That's right, Jesse. I mean, that's the goal of every single Catholic. And in case you're wondering, saints are canonized because of their heroic virtue. <laughs> exactly. And so God will give you throughout the course of your life. He will give you one challenge after another, one test after another so that you can rise to the occasion and demonstrate de- heroic virtue, you know, th- throughout the course of your life. Uh, to me, I remember I had Father Philip Scott years ago, 20 oh, years ago. He, he said, he said uh, the saints exaggerate what the world neglects. Exactly. I'm going to say that and repeat That's that again. Father line. Philip Scott, he said, the saints exaggerate what the world neglects. Yep. Jesse, in my book, How to Share Your Faith with Anyone, I tell the story of how I was very blessed. I was in a monastery. I came out of a Franciscan monastery, got into real estate, and I was like 13th in a little state of California because I door knocked. <laughs> I made all kinds of phone calls. I was in the middle of making a lot of money. And in five uh, years, 60 months, I said, well, done. Now I'm going to focus all my energy on following, helping people fall in love with Jesus. I want to sell the Catholic faith. I want to sell Jesus Christ to people. And so I used all of my talents that God gave me, not to go sell more houses, which I probably, nah, nah, not probably, I could have been a very wealthy man. Yeah. No, I said, no, I'm going to put this into a book form and help people evangelize because in all eternity, what? who cares how many houses you got to buy, sell? Uh, what matters is the salvation of souls. So, I said to myself, Jesus, give me the grace to put all my energy. And that's what it's been a special grace for me to help you. And matter of fact, on the 14th of January, Jesse, your brother, Johnny, and I 
are doing a whole day seminar on how to share your faith with anyone. Yeah, I can't wait to. Yeah, it's going to be great. His, if you know Jesse, you'll know Johnny. The yeah, two are the he's same. He's great. He's all. He's amazing. Yeah. And so Johnny and I are going to do this, and I I think it's going to build for other patients. They're going to say, "You guys, come on over here. We want yes. you to do it." Without but, a doubt. So the 14th of January, you should consider seriously coming. But the bottom line of this article is, you know, trust God that He loves you so much that He'll give you the graces to be faithful in your daily, in your state, in your life. And just continue to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I'll do it. That's right. You know, the, the saints are like God's dream team. You know, people always talk about, hey, who's the dream team we're going to send the Olympics? Now, the saints are God's dream team. And here's something interesting that Catholic churches are named after saints, typically named after That's saints. Right. Right. Why? Because we're a family. And the Bible's our family album. Yep. And and guess what? Uh, who knows? Maybe one day a Catholic church will be named after you. Oh yeah, no. I, <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you if you become a canonized saint, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, you yeah. know what I say to Jesse is that you know uh, this call, this universal call to holiness that the Second Vatican Council was themed on, is that uh, you know we all been given the graces to say yes, but we also have free will. The only value in saying yes to Jesus Christ is you have the freedom to say no. Yes. And I always say, please say yes to Jesus. Yes. Your life will change. Matter of fact, it'll change so much if you fall in love with Jesus that for all eternity you'll be with him. Now, I have to say, the world, the devil, and the flesh, yes, temptation. How do we overcome these temptations? I'll tell you how, what we just said, the interior life. Go ahead, Jeff. Yep. Finish it up, brother. Get holy or die trying. And when somebody is trying to lead you to sin, you tell them, Hey, holiness first till I'm under the earth. <laughs> and Jesse, the bottom line is, every day we ask this on, Ter- on the Terry and Jesse show, what state should we be living in, brother? Let's live in a state of sanctifying grace, which means free from mortal sin, fighting against venial sin and friendship with God, and, uh, and, and uh, doing all the protocols that the Catholic Church calls us to, faith, prayer, and the sacraments. Turn your back on the world, turn your back on Satan, turn your back on sin. As St. Dominic Savio says, he says, I would rather die than sin. Amen. Don't forget, Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifice. You can affect the salvation of a soul by giving everything to God. Make everything a sacrifice. Hey, up next, Dr. Sandoval. You won't want to miss this man. It's amazing. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a psychiatrist yeah. who's giving people solid biblical teachings on holiness and holiness of mind. Stay with us.